Hello, friends. Welcome again to Solid Ground Church and into the middle of our series that we are calling Ancient Paths. And what we're doing in this first part of the year is taking a look back and learning from the stories of people who have followed God and, and seen God show up in their lives so we can glean from their lives and chart a way forward so we can figure out the best way to be in the world and to, to serve God in spite of all the craziness that's going on. And if you want a refresher, all of these sermons and all of these worship gatherings are on YouTube, or you can download the sermons anywhere that you download podcasts. And uh, uh, I invite you to, to catch up if you're just, uh, just joining us or if you've missed a few. So um, the point, we've been in Genesis for the past few weeks, looking at the life of Abraham and Sarah. And uh, the point of all of these things is not to imitate I want to say that from the start. We're not trying to imitate everything that Abram and uh, Sarai did. Um, like we're learning from what God did in spite of their mess ups, their, their sins, uh, or just their quirks. God is the hero in all of these stories. And the inspiration verse for all of this uh, comes from the book of Jeremiah, where he is... Um, communicating to them as God's mouthpiece to the southern kingdom of Judah. In Jeremiah 6, 16, he says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. So if you've been following along the past couple of weeks, you may have just noticed, oh, that's the rest of the verse. Um, and uh, it's a chilling statement that, that this whole kingdom of people said back to God's prophet, we will not walk in the ancient path. Now, these chapters and verses were added long after uh, the text was written. So I, I've wanted us to focus on the fact that the ancient path will, will lead us to a deep level soul rest. But what a tragic response to this opportunity to, to go down the path that leads to true life and rest and rejuvenation. But instead, the kingdom of Judah, they chose to cling to the path that leads towards power and influence and significance and popularity. And ultimately, it led to their destruction. God's ways are not like the ways of the culture around us. And as we're standing at this path, I, I want to put that out there from the beginning. When we're following God, it's a countercultural path. It's not going to go smoothly all the time. But this is the way that God has designed us to be in the world. And, uh, and today we're going to take a look at, uh, at one of the patriarchs. Of, of our faith, Isaac. And uh, if you're following along at home, I want to invite you to turn your Bible to turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 26. Or as a reminder, our, our sermon notes are always in the free Uversion Bible app. And you can search for solid ground in there and you can follow along with us and take your notes and save them later. Uh, save them for later if you want to do it that way. Be our guest. But here we are in Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to start in verses 1 through 3. Now there was a famine in the land, 
besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. So here we have, as we're we're going along this first book in the scriptures, we have the first time the Lord speaks directly to Isaac. And as I, I've been reading through this and, and realizing, like, oh my goodness, in Genesis chapter 26, this is the first time Isaac appears as the lone person in the narrative. Up until this point, he's always been with his dad or he's been struggling with his brother. And we may have to circle back to that uh, another time, but we're, we're going to keep going. But today, I want us to focus and, and just marinate in that for a second. Up until now, Isaac has, has been portrayed as extremely passive. Uh, he, he was uh, the, the kind of side item in God's promise to Abraham, the, this kid, this child of promise. He's been a pawn in his, his younger brother's life and Jacob's schemes to, to get the blessing and to get where he wants to go. Um, uh, he's going along on a trip with his dad. Dad, where are we going? Sacrifice. Okay. Cool. Can I carry the wood? <laughs> hey, where's the sacrifice? Don't worry about it, Isaac. Uh, and he, he's not portrayed in scriptures as the sharpest tool in the shed either. I, the more I, time I spend with Isaac, the more I just love this guy. Like, I need a wife. Uh, can someone go get one for me? <laughs> that's, that's a paraphrase, a loose paraphrase. But this chapter is the only chapter where we focus on Isaac's journey with God. So back to verse number one, just a couple of phrases I want to point out. It talks about there was a famine in the land. Man, it must have been tough to live back then. I mean, a famine in the land. Imagine living, living in a world where there was regional uncertainty, living in a world where people were dying, uh, where there was anxiety and, and where a famine had actually happened before. Like, oh, that would just stink. Like, these people still speak to us in the the days and times that we live. They faced hard stuff too. And in the midst of, of the famine and crisis, it says, the Lord appeared to Isaac. That's often the pattern, isn't it? In the middle of, of our stuff, God appears to us. We have an encounter with God. And I think it's interesting, we may not even notice in the middle of it, like when we're going through the hard stuff of life, that God, that we're encountering God. And it's often as we look back at, at, at after the dust settles a little bit, after we get a little bit of clarity, we see, oh my goodness, God showed up in the midst of the dust and blood and sweat and grind of life. We just encountered God. To me, that is such good news that God, even if we don't, and this is part of Isaac's, his brother's story too, even if we don't perceive it in the moment, God is always with us. That is such good news for us here today. And in this, in this first three verses, we have a promise that God gives to Isaac. 
And I love comparing and contrasting the promises that have been given to, uh, to these patriarchs of the faith. For Abraham and Sarah, there were promises of a descendant. And their journey was one of a lot of waiting, a lot of tension. Is God going to, to show up in our lives? Will, is God there? We keep hearing a promise. God's going to give us a descendant. We see the stars in the sky, uh, promise after promise. But when is it going to happen? And, and poor Jacob, Isaac's brother, that guy just can't get out of his way. He's, he's part of this big thing, but his scheming and his grasping and, and his wrestling with God journey um, is a massive contrast to Isaac's promise. Did you pick up? on the unique promise that Isaac received from God? I will be with you. I will be with you. Isaac's path was similar to his family in many ways. As, as you continue on in, uh, in this chapter, we see that he repeats some of the same sins that his father repeated, but he also gets this, this promise that even in his mess-ups, God will be with him, even though people who are his enemies surround him. I'll be with you. Isaac, I've got your back. So uh, as, as Isaac starts to obey God and he, he doesn't leave this region of famine and, and go down to Egypt where historically they, they, they had food or when there was a family that, a famine, that's where you went to get food. Isaac stayed put because that's what God told him to do. And as he stayed put, the, the king of the Philistines uh, saw that, that his farm was growing, his, his, his wealth was growing, his, Isaac's family and his, his tribe was growing. And Abimelech came to him and said, hey, we've been talking about you. You're getting too strong. You got to get out of here. Uh, and also, uh, he, he sent him away because of Isaac's sin. When they asked about his wife, Rebekah, Isaac's like, ooh, she's really cute. Uh, they may kill me for her. So uh, he's my, she's my sister. And that's another reason Abimelech was like, no, no, you've done, you got to get out of here. This is going to be trouble. So Isaac did leave. And guess what? God was with him. Genesis 26 verse 12 tells us, Isaac planted crops in that land and he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. God shielded him from his enemies during this initial uh, take my wife thing. Like even in, in the, that's good news to me because God's heart for us when we mess up and Isaac messed up big time, isn't to rub our nose in it, isn't to say, okay, fine, do it your way. The movement of God is always towards us. God shielded Isaac from his enemies and also the famine. And as God continued to bless Isaac, uh, conflict continued to build between Isaac and his neighbors because God was blessing him so much. And, and probably in a moment of like, what do I do? It, is this real? God told me to do this, but is this just bad falafel? Like what is going on? In verse 24, the Lord appears again. Uh, verse 24 says, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Here it is again. I will be with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. 
over and over, God reminds Isaac, I am with you. And this stands out to me as you continue on through scriptures. Joshua chapter one, don't be afraid, be bold and courageous for I am with you. Even the words of Jesus, I will never leave you and never forsake you. I feel like some of you watching today for sure need to hear this message. I need to hear this message over and over again. You are not alone and God is with you and God sees what you're going through. God even sees the wrong stuff that you've done and still wants to come in and put you back together, come into your life and, and, and surround you with his grace and mercy. Not, it, it's not something you have to just pull yourself together and, and make yourself perfect and, and try harder. Isaac's journey is, is trusting, obeying God, trusting that God will protect him, and even in his messes that he created himself, to trust that God will always be with him. And when Isaac obeys God, things continue to go well for him. And his enemies show up again in this chapter. Isn't it like that sometimes? Like you, you get off track, you come back to where you're supposed to be, things start going well, and then things get worse. <laughs> up and down and up, good and bad. And just when you think, okay, now, now we're getting somewhere. Then life hits the fan again. And uh, we're like among one of the first generations. Those of us, if you have access to the internet, you can include yourself in this. We're among one of the first generations of people who are following God that actually get surprised when they're suffering. When they're suffering in our life. It's like we don't have a box in our brain to put it in. Uh, and we don't seek out suffering for sure. We're not masochists. But what if we had a proper box for thinking about suffering and, 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 and dealing with it? And the way we usually deal with it, and I'm preaching to myself right now, uh, is usually when bad stuff happens, I usually think, oh, great, what did I do? Uh, what am I being punished for? What, how did I mess up? Or, great, where, where is God? God is failing me right now. If I'm not moving towards health, if I'm not connecting with Jesus every single day, every moment, that's my default thinking. What if instead, uh, when, when, when bad stuff happens, we, we think of it like this. Okay, yes, this situation is horrible, but I wonder, where is God going to show up? What is, what is God up to here? How can God use this? Like it's a, That's a much different posture of our heart and a much different way of thinking. And I'm thinking uh, this is what Isaac had to learn in his life. Like, okay, in the story, the Philistines, uh, towards the end of the chapter, Abimelech shows up with his advisors. And in the ancient world, this probably means we're about to take you out and we're going to take your stuff, your wealth, your crops, your family, your people. The jig is up, Isaac. And his enemies show up and Isaac asked them in verse 27, why have you come to me? What a loaded question. Why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Just as we treated you well and sent you away peacefully, and now you are blessed by the Lord. 
I just want to pause there for a second because we've we've already touched on the fact of Isaac's, Isaac's wiring was passive. He's he's usually a passive uh, character in the narratives uh, and portrayed that way. So what if in in this world word got out? People talk about each other. If you're from a small town, you know that. And all of the Philistines are watching. God bless Isaac. What if God's power was on display because people knew this guy you know, couldn't get out of his way either. And like they look at what's happening to him and going, okay. What's going on there? That has to be like from God. He must, God must be on that guy's side. So, all right, other kings, Philistine kings and, and power players, let's go to him and have a peace treaty because we want to be on God's side too. Like, what if, it, what if it was working like that? And what if God wants to do that with us? I mean, most people don't struggle with overconfidence. But what, and, and most of us are hyper aware of our dysfunctions, of our quirks, and our imperfections. But what if we started viewing those as an opportunity for God to, to, be, to put his power on display and use us to where people would look at our life and go, oh, I love her, I love him, God bless their heart, but wow, God must be real. Because if God can do that with you, Maybe God can do amazing things for me too and amazing things through me. So in this, in this short chapter, there's a bunch of takeaways for us. So here's a couple of ideas of what we can learn from Isaac. Uh, first of all, like if you're like me and you grew up in the church, um, he didn't, Isaac didn't have any of the Christian props that I had in my life. I grew up going to church Sunday school, youth group, uh, um, I, I have uh, Christian mixed tapes. Now I've got Spotify playlists. I've got apps on my phone that help me read my Bible. Isaac didn't have any of these. He had his story that had been handed down from him, uh, from, from his parents, uh, that he was literally a miracle. He watched uh, probably around the campfire as, as his mom and dad talked about that, this period of waiting and waiting. Um, and then he had this experience with God showing up and talking to him. And then this journey of letting God take care of him. Like he trusted God uh, with a lot less than we have. That's inspiring to me. And even though he was imperfect, God still used him. And there's such a beauty in encountering God in good times and bad times that 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 is inspiring to us. And even though we don't have a lot of details of his life, I, I think it's significant that he is mentioned in the New Testament 23 times. Like there, there's inspiration that we can take away from this. And his path was unique. Um, he, uh, Abraham, like we mentioned, waited. Jacob struggled. Um, and, and Isaac's nephew, Joseph, later on in the book of, of Genesis, was wronged over and over again. I think it could have been easy for Isaac to wonder, like, well, what's, what's my thing? Like, dad started all this thing. Jacob gets the blessing. Like, what about me? Like, if you grew up in the, in the 70s or 80s, uh, you'll get this reference. But if anyone could say, Marsha, 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 it's Isaac. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. It's always about him. But Isaac had a, has a story for us. 
And I hope he, he learned to see like, whoa, God did something unique through me, even though I wasn't fighting all over the place or, or struggling with God. I just obeyed. And, and it, this, this beautiful moment where God showed up for me, like other people need to hear that. You know, being in the, in the church world and asking people, what's your, you know, the church word for your story is what's your testimony? How have, how have you encountered God in your life? And almost every time people say, well, I don't have, I don't have much of a testimony. And they're thinking like of, of really dramatic testimonies, traumatic testimonies that people who have faced cancer or, or have come out of a, an addictive habit or um, a life of violence and they had this dramatic conversion. And because they don't have those, those like Hollywood type stories, they think, oh, I don't have much of a story. But as we start talking and, and as they start telling their story, people around them are like, oh my goodness, like God has shown up in your life. And Isaac is an example for us that the Lord sees everyone. He's an example that the Lord uses everyone, no matter how they're wired, introverts, extroverts, super aggressive people, passive people. The Lord uses it all. The Lord sees it all. The Lord sees you. You have such a unique wiring. You have a unique story, and people need to hear that but maybe you need to hear that this morning and realize that, that God cares enough about you to encounter you. And maybe today is the day where it's the first time you sense God saying, I see you and I will be with you. So if you're taking notes, write this down. My story matters to God and that's for you. I'm saying your story matters to God. Write it down. God sees you and God wants to use you. And, and don't fall into this, this Western world trap of you are what you do, you are what you accomplish, you are what other people say about you. Three-pronged lie that can tear your soul to shreds. You are a human being. And sometimes I, I feel like in, in pastors we can say that so much that it becomes almost trite, um, but seriously, you are not a human doing. This is a transforming concept. God cares about who you are and wants to use who you are. The, the doing stuff comes, that's, that's a great outcome. But your soul, who you are, your, your personality, your, your, your just existence is a gift to the world. Or if you don't realize this uh, right now, it can be a gift to the world. We are so primed to do these days. What do I do for other people? What if just your presence in someone's life, your listening ears, just a kind like smile at somebody. People need that stuff and we overlook it all the time. It's not about your title. It's not about your function in a family or your neighborhood. It's not about what you produce. If you're going to walk down the ancient path, one of the crucial steps you need to take is realize that God is with you and God cares about you, period. Full stop. Not, not if you've, it's not about earning God's love. It's not about earning significance in the world. You matter just because you exist. And that is massive. I came across this uh, 
this little example in a book I was reading, and I can't remember which book it was, but it contrasts the idea of the way American kids think and Chinese kids think. And uh, in American culture, even by the age of five, American kids have been so primed with this idea, they just absorb it, even though they've never been told that they are what they produce. They, they, uh, they, uh, they absorb this idea and they ask their parents, how are babies made? And in contrast, the book was saying that Chinese kids, they phrase the question like this, how do babies grow? And I read that, I had to put the book down for a little bit. I was like, whoa, the, the idea that, that we could actually make a human life. Like, yes, we participate and there's function, but statistically, just the fact that you're sitting here, like the way that the human body functions, the statistics are so stacked against procreation. Like just the fact that, that we are born and are conceived is a miracle. But in our culture, we say, well, how do we make one of those? How do we produce one of those? And in other cultures, I'm sure it's not just China, they're not primed with this idea. How do babies grow? I think this is far more in line with scriptures. Because we're not uh, called, like Jesus doesn't talk about us as producers, uh, th that we make a ton of things. Like, one of the main images of people walking down the ancient path and following Jesus is sheep. Sheep don't make much. <laughs> they wander around. They're not the smartest in the animal kingdom. We're sheep. We need a shepherd. But even though like those God cares about so much that God sent his only son to save the lost sheep, to gather the lost sheep, to, to, to care for them. Uh, another one image in scriptures that describes you and me is a bruised reed. Uh, the scripture says a bruised reed will not be broken. Like it's this image of God caring about this little reed and, and hovering over it and caring for it and mending it. That's God's heart for you today. If you're hurting, if you're scared, you're anxious, going, you're just going through it. God's, God's heart towards you is wanting to protect you, wanting to put you back together. And our response is like a sheep. Like, don't fight it. Don't think like, I've got, okay, once I do this and this, or once I read the Bible this many times, then, then God will be in my life. Hear God speak that to you right now. Like he spoke it to Isaac. I will be with you. So, Remember the dare from a couple weeks ago? I dared you to, to cut off, um, all, don't watch any cable news for, um, for the month of February, uh, don't listen to politically partisan uh, podcasts, uh, stay off social media as much as you can. I didn't want it to be a, a heavy thing or a legalistic thing. I had to pop on for work a couple times to get on Facebook and check on people at the church. Like, Don't get weird about it. But I just wanted us to make space for God in this season. And uh, Isaac, it, it really seems to me like he's someone who made space for God in his life um, and, and was open. When God showed up in the encounter, he, he, he let that in. He let that promise in, even though it had to be scary with all the Philistines around him, with no food around him, no, no way out of the famine. And it would have been so easy to go down to Egypt and set up shop where there's a, cities and food and culture. 
but he, he trusted and he, and, he, and he was changed by those encounters and just let it in. So I wanna invite you, it's not too late. If you haven't been reading, instead of the, the social media and the podcasts and the, and the constant noise of news, uh, and we were, we've been going through the book of Matthew personally, just one to two chapters a day. Uh, it's not too late to just jump in. And I wanted to give you a couple other resources that have really helped me make space in my life, but also um, they've, they've helped me encounter God. And they're not like, like the, the silver bullet that will fix everything. I just want to put more tools in your tool belt. And uh, for me, they're really helpful because uh, I, I came out of a background where all prayer is just off the top of your head. And I used to think, oh my goodness, I don't know how I can pray very long because I can't talk that long. And as I've grown up, I've, I've loved pulling uh, from other, other Christian traditions. And uh, the, the Irish Jesuits run this really cool website called sacredspace.ie. And it's a, a website where you can go and pray. And, uh, and they'll put a scripture verse on there. And there's little prompts for things for you to pray about. And it just, uh, I, I don't do it every day, but it's like a, it's like a good little prompting for me uh, that, that where I, I don't feel like I have to create and I can just sit with God. They also have this uh, website and an app and a podcast called Pray As You Go. And it's a really cool um, uh, audio that you listen uh, to these prayer prompts and there's some, some great music on there. Um, these are just extra tools in your tool belt when you feel like, all right, where is God? You can make some space in your life. And, and the great thing is the, the website and the pray-as-you-go stuff, it only takes about five minutes. Uh, so sometimes there's a, I'll go through a season in my life where I'll put a reminder on my phone, like a calendar reminder um, that, that reminds me of either a truth about myself, like you are loved, God loves you, or pray. And it'll pop up at noon around lunchtime or three in the afternoon, and I'll pop onto that website or, or those podcasts and just listen to them. And it's just so helpful to recalibrate my mind and my heart from all the, the, the rage out there in our culture and obsession with, with noise and just to, to, to reset. So this is a great time to remind ourselves as we're gearing up towards Easter and going through the Lent season and, and, re, and reminding ourselves of the, the story of Jesus and, and his, his crucifixion and resurrection, that he did all the work. Jesus is the producer, and he's asking us to follow him and that, that we are called to be sheep that trust and follow. And we remind ourselves that we have a very good shepherd. So... In the midst of everything you're going through right now, in the midst of all the, the maybe the recordings that you play about yourself in your, in your mind over and over again, I want to read this psalm over you because the, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 37 really captured the essence of Isaac's journey of trust with God. So uh, I'm just going to read a couple portions of this psalm over you. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. 
He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. I'm going to read that again. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. And when the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. This is a beautiful vision of what God desires for this world. This is a beautiful vision of what God desires for you. And no matter what you go through, God promises to be with you. This wasn't just for Isaac. God wants to be with you and meet you right where you're at right now. So please join me in prayer as we, uh, as we open our hearts towards, uh, towards God's presence that's already all around us. Dear Heavenly Father, will you please help this truth sink from our heads to our hearts? Will you please tangibly make yourself real to everyone that's gathering with us right now and minister to their hearts? God, we give you our fear, our anxiety, and would you please give us the courage to obey what we sense you telling us to do, to live differently from the world? God, we need your help right now. Please, please infuse us with hope and your compassion. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So until we are together next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and may you sense God's presence. May the Lord make his face shine down upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.